0: In this episode of Yukatropolis, why rolling the chord can save your bacon. Also, why the ukulele way is color-coded and what the colors mean. And finally, how to sleuth out the key of a melody when you only have the notes to work with. Welcome back to the Yukatropolis podcast. For more real ukulele answers to real ukulele questions. These are questions posted by students on uketropolis.com, where you'll find a library of unique online ukulele courses, including Ready Steady Ukulele, Booster Uke, and The Ukulele Way. I'm your host, James Hill. In this episode, we're going to focus on three questions from The Ukulele Way, book three. Now, The Ukulele Way is a six-level online ukulele method that teaches one thing, and that is how to play chord melody, how to master the art of solo ukulele, where you play all the parts, strumming, melody, and rhythm, all at the same time on one ukulele. So in book three of this series, Students are really diving into the key of F because the key of F has a special place in every ukulele player's heart. There's something magical about the key of F and many, many melodies lend themselves best to being played in the key of F. And that's because melodies have a way of gravitating to certain notes just listen to the way Amazing Grace keeps circling around the tonic note F, that home note F. The way it keeps circling around above and below, but always coming back to that home note. That's the home note right there. Amazing Grace, how sweet. That say see it keeps coming back to this note. It goes below, it goes above, but it always comes back to that note. It sort of gravitates to that home note, both from below and from above. So many melodies do this very same thing. And because the, uh, the F note is positioned sort of in a very uh, accessible place, on the ukulele fretboard just that first finger on the first fret of the e string because it's placed in in such a, an accessible way so many melodies just fall into place when you start playing in the key of f a lot of people avoid the key of f because the b flat chord figures prominently in the key of f and a lot of people are understandably a little intimidated at least at first, by that B-flat chord. But once you get over the fear of B-flat, that's another topic for another time. Once you get over the fear of B-flat, I think you'll really embrace the possibilities of the key of F. And that's exactly what students are doing in the Ukulele Way, Book 3. And our first question comes from James, and he is on Lesson 5, which is one of my favorite arrangements in the method, Streets of Laredo. And James says, my pinky finger is a little slow getting to that B-flat chord. And just for context, let me play the first phrase of um, this piece, Streets of Laredo, and then we'll go back and have a close look at the B-flat moment that James is having trouble with. It goes like this. That's the piece we're talking about. And now I'm going to play it again, but I'm going to stop right on the chord that James is having trouble with. Right there. It's a B-flat chord underneath the surface, but it's got a G note in the melody. And so we can only play part of the chord and still get that G to sound out as the spotlighted note in the chord. And anytime you're holding a chord and then adding a note to it, it's always going to be a bit tricky and requires some practice, but it's especially tricky if you're holding the B flat chord, which is already such a handful. And now you're asking me to add one more note to that. That's gonna take some practice and here's something that you can always use you can always keep in your back pocket and that is if you slightly and subtly roll the chord and when I say roll the chord I mean dragging your thumb across the strings so that the onset of each note in the chord is slightly staggered like that's a that's a very slow roll this would be a faster roll. This would be almost no roll at all. Hear the difference? Slow roll. Fast roll. And no roll. The advantage with the, the, the slower rolls is that I actually give myself time to get my fingers in place. Now, it's not much time, but if you think, if I have no roll at all, all of my fingers have to be in their positions at the same time. If I do a slight roll, something like that, it gives me a fraction of a second uh, to get my fingers in place. Because for a start, I only have to have this note in its place. And it just in absolute hair's breadth of time, later, that note comes in. It just means that I buy myself a a tiny bit of time to get my fingers in place. And sometimes that's all you need. On a chord that you're struggling with, just roll it slightly. Like that. Instead of trying to do... And play all the notes at once. Here's with the roll... that little roll, and you know what? The audience doesn't even really perceive it. It's just something that you can do to give yourself a little bit of extra time. Now, we're talking about fractions of a second, but sometimes that's all it takes to get your fingers in place. It's interesting to me that the audience doesn't really mind if you do this. Now, if you do it too much, if you're going, You know, there I'm doing a big long roll on every chord, and the audience kind of loses track of what to focus on because you're, you know, there's just notes coming everywhere. You lose the beat. But if you keep the roll effect for a moment that you really want to draw attention to, or a moment where you really need that extra little bit of time, the audience doesn't seem to really mind at all. And I think that's because they're starting to buy in to the illusion that you're creating. And remember, the illusion that you're creating with arrangements like these is that there are two people playing. That there's one person going... And then there's another person standing next to that person who's just playing chords... And when you hear them both together, they sound like this. And you know what? Part of the illusion is that these are two independent voices. And if I were to watch a busking duo playing Streets of Laredo on the street corner, for example, I wouldn't necessarily expect for them to be perfectly in time with one another. I'm willing to let each voice have a little bit of personality. If the, if the melody wants to lag behind a little bit, um, that's the prerogative of the melody singer or player, and that can be an expressive thing. So I'm very used to hearing um, the, the melody and the harmony not quite lining up. And in fact, sometimes I really like it. So if I don't overuse this roll effect, it can really get me uh, some more emotion from the music and it can also get me out of a tough spot from time to time. Our next question is more of a comment really and it comes from Amy who's working on lesson 1. She says, "I like your color coordination. The color of the shirt matches the color of the book." Well, thank you Amy. I'm <laughs> I'm not exactly a fashionista, but I'll take it. If I think back to when I was writing the ukulele way and filming the videos, the coordination of the shirt with the level I think was very practical at first. It was so that I could see which video belonged in which level by just looking at the thumbnails of the videos. And of course that practical side of it is helpful to the student as well because you know you can see as you're scrolling through thumbnails, you can see if that's a level one, two, three, four, five or six lesson just by the color of my shirt very handy. But going a little deeper than that, the colors of the levels are filled with meaning. Uh, We experience this every day in our lives. Colors carry meaning. And so it's no surprise that level one is green. Green means go. Green means yes. Green means you can do it. Green is grounded. Green is inviting. And for all those reasons... Green is level one. Level two, red. Things are heating up. We're learning more. Red is full of energy. Level three is purple. And that's the level we're talking about here today. Level three is purple. It's the color of royalty, of sort of, I, I think, imagine sort of like a rich, velvety kind of a purple, because the, some of the music we're getting into now is more sophisticated. It's also the color of magic. And I think that solo ukulele is magical. It is an illusion that we're creating. Level four, a blue, sort of a sky blue evoking possibility. Look, you're you're getting um, into the, the upper reaches of this method. Look how the sky's the limit musically. Level five is orange. And now we're, we're just about at the end. You're getting to some very sophisticated stuff. To me, it's like your skills are ripening. <laughs> it's, it's literally evoking that ripeness of, of the fruit as you're getting to that stage of confidence and uh, musicianship. And then level six, book six, uh, the, the final chapter is black, the black belt. You've you've achieved that level of mastery. You're now a black belt. So each one of those levels um, is color coordinated, uh, and and I've chosen a color that evokes the feeling of that level and where those lessons fit in on on the broader learning journey that you're on. So there you go. For what that's worth, thank you, Amy, for uh, for for noticing and appreciating the wardrobe selections and um, I hope that those decisions actually do help you uh, navigate the resource and also guide you along your journey. Our final question in this episode comes to us from Sibo, who's working on lesson one, the F major scale, just like Amy. Only this question is about the mystery melodies in that lesson. Mystery melodies is an exercise where I give you three very well-known melodies, but I don't tell you what they are. They only use notes from the F scale, and you have to figure out what the melodies are. It's kind of a music reading version of Name That Tune. And the question from SIBO is this, if I'm reading the sheet music correctly, these mystery melodies are using notes from the F scale and from the C major scale, right? So the question from SIBO is, for music that uses only these notes, C, D, E, F, G, and A, how do we know if it's in the key of F major or in the key of C major? since those notes are common to both keys and why do we need to make that distinction? Well, that is an amazing question and first of all a great observation Sibo that those notes belong both to the F scale and to the C scale and to be honest with you I wasn't sure how to answer this question so I did the only thing I could do which was talk it over with my wife. Anne is a musician, many of you know her music, and on the way to school uh, this morning to drop off our son, I asked her this question. I said, how do you uh, approach this with your own students? And she gave me some good ideas and I'm gonna pass them on to you now. So first of all, let's get right to the essence of this question. What Sibo is saying is, given only the melody notes, how do we know what key we're in? if we have only the melody notes to go by how do we know the key? and the honest answer is you don't really know you can't really know for sure but you can make a very educated guess and I'm going to show you how to do that right now because this is a fairly complex question I'm going to to simplify it a little bit and we're going to do this very exercise not with uh, any of the mystery melodies from uh, level three here. We're going to do this exercise with a new tune that I just wrote. It's called Tada. And it goes like this Tada. That's the whole song. I mean, it's not my best work, but it's just, you know, for this exercise. It's called Tada. You can sing it with me. Here we go one, two, three. Tada there's two syllables and just one pitch it's f f in case you're playing along and the question is what key are we in this is a simplified version of Sibos' question what key are we in since i know that this note is in many different keys it's in the key of c it's in the key of f the key of b flat has this note in it lots of keys have this note So how do I know what key I'm in? Well, at this point I have to put on my Sherlock Holmes hat and just start looking for clues. You know how Sherlock Holmes would look a person up and down the first time he saw them and he would look at their shoes was there any dust on the shoes? He would look at the, the, the uh, knee of the trousers to see, are, are they doing manual labor? Are, are they down scrubbing the floor? Or are they clean? Maybe they've got a white collar job, and, and the knees of the trousers can show us that. He'd look at the way a man had shaved his beard. Was it even on both sides? If it wasn't even on both sides, maybe that said uh, that he lived in a, an apartment that was dark. And he was very quickly putting together the story of that person based on tiny observations. And we have to do the very same thing when we approach a song like "Ta Da," or really any other song. So we have two notes. What clues do we have? Number one, you've got the clue that usually when you say "Ta Da," you're sort of finishing something. It's like the end of the trick. <laughs> you know, you're, you. It's the big reveal. Ta Da! Great. That probably tells me that this is the end of the song. It also. In this case happens to be the beginning of the song but let's just say that we want this to feel like an arrival usually we arrive on the chord that is the name of the key so let me try a few chords that have the note f in them i could try for example the uh, e flat seven chord Ta-da! i don't know for my money that doesn't sound like it's finished i could try the g7 chord Same thing, it doesn't really sound finished. How about the um, D diminished 7 chord? No, how about C7sus4? Still doesn't sound like an arrival. Let's try F Yes, that feels right. That feels like the arrival chord that we were searching for. And if Sherlock Holmes was investigating this piece, trying to determine what key we're in, he'd be looking for those telltale signs, the first chord and the last chord. Does it sound complete? And if it does, that final chord is probably a clue as to the key of the piece. Now let's get back to the original question. Sebo was asking about the mystery melodies in this lesson. and Spoiler alert, I'm going to play a couple of the melodies now, so if you don't want to hear them, just skip ahead, because here they come. Here's one of the mystery melodies. And here's another one of the mystery melodies. Listen and see if you can hear a similarity And if you noticed that those melodies started with the same notes, then you're absolutely right. Amazing are the same three notes as pom pom. pom, 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 pom. And this is what we call outlining a harmony, where instead of getting all the notes at the same time, we get them one at a time. And that outlines the chord. And in this case, the notes are C, F, and A, which is an F chord. And that's just another hint that we're in the key of F because that is the chord we outline right off the bat and it's not too much of a stretch to make the analogy to constellations in the night sky where your notes are like the stars and when you connect the dots and you create pictures from those you create constellations that's a little bit like hearing the chord that those melody notes are outlining the notes are the stars and the chords are the constellations. Remember Melody and harmony are basically the same thing. The only difference is time. If I present all the notes at once, that's called a chord. But if I present the notes one at a time, that could be a melody. They have the same content. The only difference between them is time. Thank you for tuning in to the Eucetropolis podcast. I'm James Hill. Come back next week for more real ukulele answers to real ukulele questions from students at yuketropolis.com. Yuketropolis.com is where you'll find a library of unique online ukulele courses, including Booster Uke, The Ukulele Way, and Peace Like an Ukulele, which is a completely free course designed to do one thing and one thing only, and that is to help you relax, de-stress, and play beautiful music on your ukulele. Peace like an ukulele, check it out. It's completely free at euketropolis.com. Until next week, keep on strumming.